the salesperson slash account manager should respect um, the client's position, right? In other words, you can be pushy. You can be badgering. Uh, you need to quickly make a call. Hey, will this take three months or will it take five months? And, and then use your experience and intuition to then say, all right, I'm in it. I'm going to be in it for three months. And then after that, stick to that and don't crowd. Don't crowd the client because crowding is, is the worst thing that can happen. Today, I'm incredibly excited to introduce our guest, Sudhi Bangalore, Chief Technology Officer for Global Operations at Stanley Black & Decker, which as you know, is not only one of the most admired manufacturing companies in the world, but is also one of the most innovative and socially sensitive companies globally. It is a huge honor to have Sudhi on the spot. But before we start, uh, let me apologize in advance for the slight disturbance in my line while recording the episode. Sudhi's connection was perfect. Uh, without further ado, let's get started. It is a real honor to have you on the pod, uh, Sudhi. Thanks for joining. The pleasure, Dia. So let's let's get started. As as I was telling you, uh, Sudhi, before we started recording, uh, this podcast is for uh, people selling into enterprises who can benefit a lot, in my opinion, from your experience of interacting with sales organizations across your career. So looking forward to hearing your opinion and your uh, experiences on those lines. So to get this started, if you could. Tell us a little bit about your journey so far, Sudhi. Um, you know, walk us through the whole thing. Connect the dots for us, if you may, please. Yeah, not to go way back. Um, uh, let's just say that I started out putting systems together, hands-on work, systems integration, mostly on the factory floor and beyond. Uh, so that's where my passion comes is, is, is stitching things together and being able to demonstrate something exciting and something impactful for larger clients, especially. Uh, most of my most of my life, I've engaged with larger clients, not small to medium business. Even though that's a passion from for me lately. So yeah, that's that's how I got started. And over the years, then I uh, essentially gravitated towards commercialization of new technologies, uh, with with a heavy focus on around uh, applied innovation, if you will, or applied research, as it used to be called before. And so over the years, that's sort of been my sweet spot, which is to is to really identify and they sent opportunities to apply technology to things that that support large manufacturing and supply chain organizations. So so that's what uh, I have done over the years across across the globe. And just to go back uh, about a decade, I, I met you there, Azia, at Wipro, where I actually bootstrapped a new uh, service offering and a practice around that called smart manufacturing. So uh, I do understand the other side of trying to do an enterprise sale, even though we didn't have a software platform. So, um, so that was a fantastic experience. Starting, to, I learned a lot, um, and uh, hopefully, uh, have been, you know, that experience has been useful for others in terms of uh, how you actually create a, a technology suite that that makes sense uh, in the manufacturing industry. And now, uh, over the last four years uh, at Stanley Black and Decker, uh, I've had the uh, the privilege and the and the awesome luxury of now bringing uh, all of those experiences starting from systems integration all the way to uh, to creating brand new technology uh, then apply uh, that uh, all of that experience across all of Stanley Black and Decker and and what's been neat is it's not just our solutions that we've created within Stanley Black and Decker uh, that's helping us move forward uh, but it's also about partners both small and, and big uh, startups and large established companies that have helped us in that journey. So long story short, where we are right now, where I am right now, is, is to really um, uh, at that, that perfect juncture 
where we spot talent, whether it comes from just individuals or startup companies or larger companies, and then we assemble it the right way and see how we can apply it across uh, our vibrant 145 factories plus uh, about 10 or 12 DCs, um, broadly speaking, uh, and, and, and create impact and, and, and impact the people as well, not just the bottom line and top line impact with the people. So that's rather the long-winded answer to your simple question. Oh, fantastic. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Sudhi, but I feel you are probably one of the most luckiest guys alive, right? Your, your, your passion is your work, right? And you're, you're getting an opportunity to make it, make it real. Indeed, indeed. I couldn't have said it better. So uh, luxury was the word I used, luxury and more important, being able to enjoy pretty much every day of, of what I, I love doing is exactly where I am right now. Great. Uh, in in your current role, Sudhi, um, if if you uh, if I could ask this, what kind of product or services that do you uh, buy from outside and also influence for the rest of the company in your current role? That's a that's a good question. So let me parse that out. So there's some technology I buy directly with my team, obviously, and that typically, if I were to um, if I were to petition that, it is sometimes a platform and then the most generic being obviously something like an IoT platform. But then lately, it's it's actually platforms that support a very pointy cause, uh, whether it's edge analytics, for example, or it is a workflow management solution and also um, some of the other services related to how you can do data integration, data management, and data mapping, all of those services, right? So those are the ones I directly buy. And then there are others that I influence the IT organization to buy, okay? And, and those are obviously, you know, services that are at the cloud level, uh, seeing what kind of an impact it would have moving from one cloud platform to the other because one might suit uh, the manufacturing portfolio better as opposed to the business environment. So that would be a second category and including maybe security is a second one. And the third one could be the, uh, what's the third category? It escaped me right now, but it'll come back. So yeah, so it really, there's some aspects that I work with our CIO and, uh, and the others where we make a decision directly. Great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Sudhi. So, Sudhi, I was, uh, I mean, uh, since the time that we have been working together, I was always impressed with your um, your ability to have uh, look at the big picture and look at the future vision. But at the same time, you know, connect it back to reality and execute on that, right? Not, not many people can do that. Um, so with, with that in the background, if you could share your, you know, where do you think the manufacturing as a whole is heading, the future of manufacturing. And the reason I'm asking that is I also want to, uh, how, how should your partners, vendors, or, you know, uh, client, um, uh, other partners that you work with need to align with that vision, especially the people that are selling to you? Oh, that's a wonderful question. So I'll tell you, I, I, somebody asked me this question in, in one of the other um, meetings or seminars, I don't remember. So here's the thing. If you look at the, the the two bookends of the of the scenario here with with, with uh, platform providers and unique niche providers in in our space in manufacturing there's 
a certain level of innovation that's that's exciting, vibrant, and hard that comes with startups, right? I'm not saying that large companies cannot do those breakthrough innovation type of uh, products and and outcomes, uh, drive products and outcomes. But mostly speaking, we see more attraction on, on the lower end of the spectrum. In other words, startups that truly are thinking different, okay? Um, on the other hand, of course, uh, I would hate to make a direct plug. What I see with Microsoft is pretty exciting because of how, again, they partner. So if you, if, if why I think Microsoft succeed, is succeeding better in manufacturing is they don't really create the solutions themselves. They really enable their partners to go create those solutions. I remember back when we were in Wipro and you were involved and you and I were involved in some of the joint solutions we did for large uh, Fortune 500 customers. So I think partnership uh, in terms of how we can bring multiple companies together is critical. So to answer your question, Zia, for a startup, I think they are really nimble in terms of being able to demonstrate value. But by the same token, they're not in the right spot to then scale that solution across a large company like Sandy Black & Deck. So what I have found out that 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 works really well, is this possible? How can you combine a startup with a large large company, right? So whether it is a Rockwell or whether it is a Schneider or, or something like that could work. So I think to answer your question, being able to be nimble, being able to actually demonstrate the solution and being flexible. And third, most important, passion for what you're selling, passion for the solution, uh, address this problem that the solution is addressing is really important. You see what I'm saying? Otherwise, it just becomes a sale. So most times, when we, if I were to go back and reflect on some of the decision, the yes decisions we have made with uh, companies, it is because either it's a salesperson or it's a solutioning consultant or it's a founder that is so passionate about not just driving business and making that next important sale. But it's also about saying, how, how can we really solve this problem and get that satisfaction when it really works, right? I, can't, I cannot tell you how important that is. And then, of course, the rest of the parameters come into play, be it cost, scalability, longevity, and all that stuff. But at the tip of that spear is, is where passion and the ability, ability to be candid about what works, what not, what, did, what does not is super critical. That's great advice, uh, Sudhi. I think that's the, the point that you just said is probably the meat of this whole podcast, right? And hopefully the listeners were able to get, get from that. Uh, so what, what you're also saying is um, that the current partners that you're working with and what you have seen work for you is there's this collaboration between the large partners and the startup community coming together to make your vision possible, right? To make, to make those investments and, and, and all of those things to work really well together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And being able to uh, get your get your feet wet, like to say, and and really help in proving out the solution. And then, most important, I'll tell you this: be a little more patient uh, in terms of getting that yes for that sale. Especially for startups, it's really critical you get that first sale. But unfortunately, until you prove certain things out, you, you can't get a yes from the client, right? So it's a delicate dance, one that is hard, I bet, for the entrepreneur. Uh, but, but that's really is how, you know, if I were to reflect back, 
that's how some of the startups who have worked with our program at Stanley Black & Decker have really succeeded and started to become, you know, solid players in the industry. And and how are you able to reach out to this? Uh, how are you finding these startups, uh, Subi? Well, I tell you what, uh, it, it's interesting how that works. On one hand, if you're passionate about the space, you will find them, right? Whether you're reading or whether you're in, you know, in webinars or in at the time when we could travel in some of the, you know, events, uh, commercial events, etc., exhibitions, and so on. But by the same token, once you once you have the thought leadership, they find you, right? So it one leads the other. So in our case, we also have our brand helping immensely. Uh, Stanley Black and Decker, the kind of leadership our leadership brings, starting with Jim Lurie, our CEO, and Don Allen, is is so well known. It's a well-traveled story that they're both so passionate about the industry, manufacturing as second, and then of course Stanley Black and Decker. But they're it's it's not just the bottom line of Stanley Black and Decker, but it's also about the industry and the larger community. And that's the reason why a lot of partners find us in addition to the other aspect that I mentioned. So it works beautifully. Yeah, and, and of course, Stanley Black & Decker is uh, more or less a guiding light for the rest of the manufacturing industry, especially around smart manufacturing, digital manufacturing, and where the overall manufacturing is heading towards, right? We think so. If not the, 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 the best, we are certainly among the top quartile of companies uh, that's known for uh, being candid, investing for cause, um, and then making sure that we drive impacts with the investments we make uh, that are uh, signif- significantly impressive, right? So all three. So, uh, uh, so the, going back to uh, some of your experiences of working with enterprise sales team, if there is, um, um, you know, any uh, any experiences that you can share with us, which were not so great, uh, which which actually led you to pre- probably drop the vendor, not selecting it, but something that stands out, uh, both now and your, you know, in your prior experience, if you could share that, that would be uh, really useful. You know, I tell you, those experiences typically happen when you have a, a good, strong brand, okay, um, that um, that people know, and in, in this case, me knowing about that brand. And so we've had scenarios where we've engaged with, with those brands and those companies, and what have found out to be is maybe it is the leadership of the group that we engaged, et cetera, that they don't they don't really align to the brand promise and value. So my experience has been maybe it's that leader who's either um, who's either too hungry for the sale or does not get the big picture. And here's the the thing that really gets me going. You start getting into a partnership discussion. And the partnership is all about a sale, which is just a one-way story. Then where's the partnership, right? So when I see that, that's when I lose my interest very quickly. So, or, so in other words, if you're talking partnership, as the name suggests, it has to be a two-way street. A partnership cannot happen with one person taking 80% of the risk and the other person just taking 20 It just doesn't work that way. So if you come in and say, hey, I truly want to partner throughout a solution, then think before you make that statement. And when you make that statement, you know, stick with that posture all the way until it's done, that the whole exercise of proving something. On the other hand, if you don't have the time and or the investment, 
then just be candid and say, hey, you know what, this is unfortunately, I don't have the wherewithal and or the resources or whatever the case may be to not go through a partnership approach. So if there's one thing that really breaks trust very quickly is you come under the pretext of partnership and doing something larger, uh, and but it ends up being all, all about a sale, then you really lose you know, mind share of not just me. In a lot of cases, it's my teams because they see through that, right? And so that's when you, then, then the word spreads very quickly. And I'll tell you on the flip side, you didn't ask that question, Zia, but there are some companies that they're so passionate. Sometimes even with all the right things they've done with partnership, they may not get the sale. But boy, uh, unfortunately, I don't want to name names because that would not be fair for this podcast. But but there are some companies that are incredible, big, powerful brands. They, they have not gotten a sale from uh, me, at least in, in the space that I operate in SPD. But they continue to be the same. They're still eager. They're in it for the long haul. But trust me, I will make sure that they will get a sale, right? Because I see the power of the passion, the power of the solution. So that's sort of the converse of the question that you asked. So hopefully I answered what you're getting at with that question. That's fantastic. Uh, that's fantastic. And uh, in, in, a, in that situation, right, you said sales leader. So were you referring to the actual person on the ground or the leadership more like an executive sponsorship? And I'm sure all of them need to be aligned. But in your experience, what was it like? It's mostly the leadership, right? Because I try to empathize with the salesperson uh, more than the leadership because it's the leadership sets the tone and for the most part, <laughs> right? So, uh, so when it's so I don't so the the decisions I made that didn't favor that vendor slash company uh, was really driven more by the leadership as opposed to just that salesperson who was trying to make the sale. On, on similar lines, is it possible for you to share experiences where you have uh, selected someone, a vendor to work with, vendor partner to work with, uh, and but may not have started with that thing in mind, right? But things changed while you were interacting with them. Uh, they did something really nice, really well, that you were impressed with them. Any any experience like that, Sudhi, that you can share? Uh, so in other words, a pleasant surprise? There you go, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking through that. And, and actually... Uh, I can think of a scenario or two where that's happened, uh, where it's more of a service situation, where they where they have been very tactical. In fact, then I think about it, uh, again, not to stereotype regions and geographies, but there's certain parts of Europe where when they say no, they mean no, and they're very rigid. You probably can guess the regions of Europe that are such like that. So we actually partner with a company like like that, and they're pretty rigid about cost. They're pretty rigid about you know their posture, very not very flexible. But we partnered with them because they deliver what they they say they'll deliver. So over the last two three years, I've seen them to become so much more flexible with the way they deal with us. I think the reason why they're flexible is because not that the company stance has changed. It's in their sort of culture, but I think our culture is rubbing off on them, whether it is the leadership of the person who runs the North American entity or the or the folks that actually work with my team to do the hands-on stuff. They've started to become a lot more flexible, and suddenly now they're, they're doing things that is not so rigid anymore. So 
that's one example i think it is um sometimes culture sometimes culture rubs off in a good way <laughs> between companies between clients and and vendors and partner and uh, and partners yeah and that's that's definitely a pleasant experience right <laughs> yeah yeah and now we have not only a a, comp- a company that not only delivers this promises but it's a little more flexible and we like it because life is not rigid always right so flexibility is always welcome and some companies are awesome at being flexible that goes a long way these are really good points uh, so the what are your expectations from your whenever you have an existing partners usually what are your expectations well i think you know that that question can be parsed into stages if you will a typical sales stages the life cycle so my expectation of of a client partner or an account manager if you will is you know, let's start with that then we can go through the stages until you close the deal and beyond right so i think the the, the first important thing is the person should respect uh the salesperson slash account manager should respect um the client's position right in other words you can be pushy you can be badgering uh you need to quickly make a call hey will this take 3 months or will it take 5 months and and then use your experience and intuition to then say all right i'm in it i'm going to be in it for 3 months and then after that stick to that and don't crowd don't crowd the client because crowding is is the worst thing that can happen second be straightforward these are all 101s right so if i were, if i were to it did nothing profound about some of the things i'm saying the other thing is just be straightforward and candid saying this is exactly what i'm trying to do i need to make a sale not in so many words but these are the steps that i'm going through and um and the third thing is don't just introduce your team and let the the solution consultants take on show that you that you really care about what we're trying to solve in our case and the black and decker's problems or opportunities so in fact i can vividly recall a situation where this lady probably has 7 years of experience um i would not say aggressive but boy she was energized motivated in terms of bringing the team she brought the team but guess what she ran the meetings she knew what problems we were solving she understood what their her solution consultants were providing so so engaged and so you know in the in the moment all through the meeting and it's it's incredible when you go through a meeting like that you know that this person again goes back to my passion piece it's not about the sale it's the journey right it's 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 the journey when you do win in a scenario like that you relish the journey even more so i think that's the distinction i think sales people unfortunately because of pressure fail pressures fail to make you know there's fun in the journey and you should be confident that the sale will happen for the right reasons by the way right so anyway coming back to your question so for example this person you know was it's very clear we had a great meeting and then of course the person wanted to get a commitment for for a year subscription of of their platform and unfortunately i was busy and so on but then she sent a very direct note to the person who was working within my team and i immediately engaged with 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 uh, with, with uh, this person in my team and i made sure that we fast tracked the yes for her right so that's the kind of impression it leaves at least in my mind 
for somebody who is committed to the process, committed to the cause, then just making a sale. That's such a great point, uh, Sudhi, about uh, there is fun in the journey, right? You should probably share this name with me offline. Right? I would love to have her on the podcast sometime. Yeah, I will. Oh, she would be fantastic. She's articulate. Needless to say, those people like that, there's something that drives them, right? And uh, she's superb. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I know you you were saying what you're getting that bunch of cold emails and all that. Do you still entertain uh, you know this this cold reach outs uh, Sudhi? Unfortunately it does not but I tell you this is a topic that vexes me and a lot of my colleagues you know our CIO is my colleague so she and I were talking about it. And and what blows our minds are these are all obviously when you're sales person in a startup or if you're a sales person in a large corporation it's not like you don't have basic common sense and you don't have you know a sound education or something like that these people are all highly qualified and yet they send these long one and a half page emails with the open opening line saying oh we know we are really busy and then you expect them to expect the client i mean the potential uh, sales leader you know the the, lead, the, the person who's going to get you the sale to read through that and you know that to me is preposterous in this day and age is who's going to go read through all of this literally we get hundreds of emails maybe 400 500 mails that is not picked up by spam filters that hits our mailboxes it's just so sometimes i feel like i do do this by the way in one of those if suddenly i i out of sheer frustration and and hope uh, i actually pick up an email and send a note saying this is how my day is how in the world would you expect someone like me to engage on this email this really does not work here are some suggestions where you may be able to do something different uh, to get the attention of the right person because i feel such a amount of wasted time that goes into this spam and you leave such a poor uh, impression of yourself and the brand you represent i cannot imagine someone from our company doing that right because it we 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 really relish the brand and 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 it's whether it's not just standing black and decker while well, i was at wipro to say thing i'm pr- proud of the companies i work for the brand is important you got to protect your brand you can't let it you know of course the same goes with your own personal brand right so this is an important topic i'm so go so glad zia of why you've chosen this topic i think you'll serve the industry really well uh when you have more people Uh, like me and others who have differing opinions than than mine to help the sales community i think it's a worthwhile cause as you know uh, so the right sales job especially on the field sales it's a tough job right and yeah. they, get, they get so many no's before they get to the yes um, well who better to speak than i think the audience does if they don't know the uh, i want to take this opportunity to 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 just at least for my own ref- you know Uh, <laughs> sake of refreshing my my mind uh, the stuff that you did at Wipro doing some of the cold calling and 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 of course other regular sales calls is just impressive when you are able to cold call and land one of the largest deals in in the history of Wipro's manufacturing you know uh, industry sector i mean you can probably write a book on that zia right <laughs> it started with class it started with you know respect to the client and then the client you sold to 
is a marquee brand in North America, right? So, uh, so you did all the right things. Now, when I reflect back on some of my responses, think about all the things you did. You did it by the book, and you did it with patience, and and you landed the deal. So, pretty amazing. Thank you for that, Sudeep. I greatly appreciate that. It's uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. So, thanks for that. Um, you know, just to st- yeah, it was not easy at those those days to land a two hundred fifty three hundred million dollar deal, right? <laughs> so now it's probably worth half half a billion dollars. So that's that's nothing to scoff at. Yes, yes, and I, what what I like the fact is, like you were saying, right? Uh, I mean, you and I, we are we are still very good friends with them, right? I mean, in in spite of all exactly, us, yeah, yeah, and you know what? We do business with them. That's another thing, Zia. Companies do business with other brands that they align with. So in that example, there was a very close brand alignment and cultural alignment between Wipro and this company, right? And and it still has stuck. They don't, they've done, continue to do good business. Same with the company I work for proudly. You know, we, we hold our culture with high esteem. We, we, we love it. So we, we love to work, do business with, other brands that mimic that or not mimic sorry align with that culture and believe in it oh that's such a great point so yeah you're right i mean unless you're culturally aligned there is no way the partnership gonna happen right that's that's a, such a great point and you uh, know you cannot just put it on a powerpoint slide because <laughs> one of the things i've seen is you say hey here's a slide that says your culture is this my culture is this so therefore we see alignment uh-uh. <laughs> that's not how you show alignment you show alignment with your actions right you don't put it on a PowerPoint slide. In fact, you demean that whole message by putting it on a PowerPoint slide. Wow, that's a good point. Yeah. So you're right. Culture is is how you um, present yourself, how you act on things, especially when no one is looking. That's right. Exactly. And you know, think about this, Zia. You would have joined that company because you obviously loved something or, or that company you're working for. So in other words, your, there's a, there was an affinity that you know attracted you to join the company. So it's again, it goes back to your own culture and its own brand. If you want to protect that and grow, you got to be congruent with that philosophy, right? So you cannot just let a sales undermine all of that. So it starts with you. You join a company who you respect, and so your your brands are aligned. And then when you want to make a sale to a company that the same philosophy should, should apply to the company that you're selling to. When you do that, there's music that can be made, right, with that story. So, so these, go, going on the same line, uh, I think this is a great opportunity. What, what is your advice to the sales leaders out there, right? People who run these enterprise sales organizations. What do, what do you advise them? I don't know, Zia. That's a tough question. I, I don't have an answer for that because obviously they're leaders because they have done something you know, notable and, and hopefully consistently to become leaders. So I think the one thing that, again, I have not been in sales. I've always supported sales. I've got a nice vantage point uh, of what it takes for people like you, Zia, who did sales with intense pressure and quotas and so on. So the only thing that I can say is it takes patience and it takes confidence in yourself because when you do get to that breaking point, when you want to lose that connection to your own brand and the belief system that you have, something holds you back, right? Um, and and hopefully you'll be able to invoke that that little voice that says, hmm, no, I'm not going to compromise my foundational beliefs, beliefs 
either violate trust or just to become a, for lack of a better word, a classic salesperson who just goes for the deal. It's it's just a deal for the sake of a deal, right? Um, and and when you do that, most times you get a no because unfortunately that they never that never worked. On the other hand, the example I gave you, it works because this lady was clear. She did her job and she said, "Hey, look, I need I need an answer now." And when you've done all the good homework, right? Then you can literally almost demand an answer, even though she didn't demand that. She was very courteous, but it was it was quite clear. You know, she wanted an answer. Great, great. I'm I'm eagerly looking forward to talk to this lady. Great, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything that we have missed covering today, especially you feel that is relevant for enterprise sellers. Anything else you would like to add? No, the only thing that I can add is there's a lot of things that you read in books and motivational you know, speeches, et cetera. But there's nothing that equates fact that you really need to know the business you're selling to. And and you should appreciate, respect the company you're, that, that you're selling to because of that. And and when you understand what they're trying to do, and if you can, and if you can go through all of those, some of the processes I mentioned, uh, by bringing you the team that can truly help you articulate, articulate in a tangible way, right? That's most important. Showing is the best thing. Showing is much better than talking about it. So anything and everything you can do to show is a beautiful thing. It it really creates a whole new impression. Talking less, of course, is awesome. So if you can do that and show and preparedness, again, it all is one-on-one. I'm not saying anything profound, right? But it just works so nicely uh, when it all comes together. Awesome. Awesome. You know, coming to the last uh, segment, I have a couple of questions more. You don't have much of a bandwidth, right? You're, you're, you're a busy guy. How do you keep yourself up to date with what's happening out there? And uh, in a way, do you want to be? How, how do you keep yourselves up to date? Any newsletters, blogs, stuff like that? Not really. You know, I wish I had the discipline like a lot of my colleagues and some of my leaders in my company does. I don't have the discipline, unfortunately. But I tell you, somehow it works for me that every six months or eight months when I would travel insanely and now with COVID, you have your own different set of tensions with, with, with this pandemic. So I somehow find time, you know, that I sleep less than normal, which is very, you know, little. And, and I just get up at five or four thirty or something like that. And I, and I get into that rhythm for about a week or two and I pick up on something, you know, I'm not seeking it. I just land into some topics that are, truly interesting and relevant to my space. And then it just drives a whole new level of energy for me. And then now with this job that I'm in, uh, which is in a really cool job, there's a lot of access to people who come, um, both firms, you know, well-respected firms and thought leaders who come and share what they're doing. So that's that's an added boon, uh, boon, if you will, in my job. So you get to listen to some awesome experts that come to us uh, to talk about what they're doing. So that's been a great uh, plus with my current role. So so to answer your question, ad hoc, learning by accident. And I try to do that at least once a year. I go into maybe a month of that intense learning session. And then in this role, as I said, you know, I, I, I get to uh, have companies talk to us. And I'm also fairly active with a lot of these things I'm doing, you know, as a speaker, et cetera. So you get to rub shoulders with some really cool people and accomplished people. 
Very nice, very nice. And then also, uh, when, when you say people, the companies that you're interacting with, you're referring to the startups and all that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, the, the last question is something that I ask uh, almost every guest, uh, just, just to understand if you're hiring anyone for your team currently. So if, if someone who's listening is interested or if they can refer someone, uh, would love to know yeah. if you're hiring someone and how do they reach out? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Yes, we absolutely are hiring. Uh, we're looking, uh, we, we do two kinds of hiring. Okay. One where we have an absolute need and then we also do what's called a strategic hires. Because we we believe that this role is critical, so we do some strategic hires. So the answer is we are yes, we are hiring for tactical roles, especially solution architects and um, solution consultants, building some of the the solutions we're building, and uh, also people who can really manage uh, programs, uh, awesome program managers, project managers, and then anybody and everybody who's got a passion around driving data-led value in manufacturing that can take on many forms, whether it's application engineering or being an awesome data scientist or a terrific walk-on-water programmer, whatever the case may be. So yeah, we are hiring for all of those types of positions. Yeah. Hands down, this is the best interview so far and it's a lot of great points. <laughs> Thanks for that. So they greatly appreciate that. No worries at all. Enjoy doing the interview and always love chatting with you, Zia, and catching up. So thanks for doing the, 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 the topic itself. I think it's really important you're serving the larger community. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please do subscribe to the podcast and I will greatly appreciate if you can leave a review. If you have any suggestions for future guests or any feedback, please write to me at Zia at sellingtoenterprises.com. See you on the next episode. Thank you.